Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water. But Jack fell down and broke his and Jill came tumbling after. You know, we learn at a very early age, it would seem that brokenness is not a good thing. To fall, to become injured. And when those injuries go beyond just the outside appearances, when they go to the soul, go to the heart, go to our minds, this is serious stuff. You know, it happens, Jack and Jill, they go up the hill, and, and Jack falls down, and yeah, a lot of times what happens is then Jill comes tumbling after, and a marriage falls apart. Sometimes it's Jill that falls down. Humpty comes by many different names, and many different addictions, many different decision points that are disastrous, and when brokenness hits the human life, what do we deal with it? How do we do? Where do we go? <laughs> do we call on all the king's horses? All the king's men? Because experience says it just doesn't seem to work. It doesn't seem to get Humpty back together again. Where do we go in the midst of a broken, fallen world? And when that brokenness and that fallenness comes over us, what do you do with it? You know, a lot of people, they just say, well, I can't trust anybody else. This is my issue, my problem, so I've got to figure it out. And, and, and so what people do is they well, white knuckle and try to sort through. Maybe if I get my life together, maybe if I, I do enough good things and, and become a, a better person and, and overdo the good side, is maybe I can overcome the, the evil and the brokenness and the sin in my life. If you're a people pleaser, you're naturally wound up that way. Maybe you've grown up in that way where you, you constantly think, if I do this and if I do this, maybe people will like me. And a lot of times that translates right into a, a relationship attempt with God where we think in those terms, if I do more good, God will love me and it will compensate for the ways I have failed Him. Oh, we try so hard. And yet for so many people, there's an emptiness that comes from that way of life. Especially when we think that that's actually the Christian faith. And the thing is, that's actually the opposite of the Christian faith. That's how every other world religion operates on that system. If I do enough good, maybe I can override the bad in my life. You know, that's actually not Christianity. Maybe you come here today and you've been avoiding the brokenness. Assuming that it, it's just something that needs to be covered over by busyness or covered over by trying to be a better person, trying to improve yourself and, and self-help might be the answer, you think. And, and, and you know what? Maybe it is that you come here today and you're wondering, why then do I still feel guilty? What do I do with all this shame? How come I can't seem to do enough to get rid of all of that? Especially when you can't seem to put the pieces back together again. David had a great fall. We've been learning about that these weeks of Lent. 
a fall in morality, a fall in truth, a fall in brokenness that he was trying to avoid. And, and certainly a, a man of resources, he, he could have covered it over and continued to try to attempt to cover it over with all the king's horses, all the king's men. He had many at his disposal. But the time comes where he realizes there's no covering anymore. There's no self-help when it comes to the depth of despair in sin and failure and true brokenness. We see here as David calls out to God in these verses, verse 16 and 17, you don't delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure and burnt offerings. Kind of a strange thing to say when the sacrificial system was still very much alive and well in the Old Testament. But really David is admitting that there's no animal blood that's going to cover the depth of his rebellion. He needs something more than that. Yeah, he has all the resources. He could attempt to just make a, a really amazing, cool offering in front of lots of people with uh, you know, thousands and thousands of animals. He could, he could afford such a display. But it's not going to do any good. It might impress a few people. He needs something deeper than that. He's at a point where he gives up and realizes there's nothing he can do. This is confession. My sacrifice, oh God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, oh God, will not despise. Brokenness, something that so often we avoid at all costs. Brokenness, admitting we are broken people. You know how it goes, if it ain't broken, don't fix it. Well, there's another phrase that God points out today, that if you're not broken, you need fixing. If you think you're well, if you think you got it together, if you think you got everything all in hand, figure it out on your own, <laughs> you are severely mistaken. I was reading this story about a, a man who was severely injured, and, and a, a, he had to write a, a letter to the insurance company to explain his, his injuries, and I'll give you an under, understanding of it, I'll, I'll read it here. Uh, to whom it may concern... I'm writing in response to your request concerning clarification of the information I supplied in block number 11 on the insurance form, which asked for the cause of the injury. I answered, trying to do the job alone. I trust that the following explanation will be sufficient. See, I'm a bricklayer by trade, and on the date of the injury, I was working alone, laying brick around the top of a three-story building. When I finished the job, I had about 500 pounds of brick left over. Rather than carry the bricks down by hand, I decided to put them into a barrel and lower them by a pulley that was fastened to the top of the building. I secured the end of the rope at ground level, went back up to the top of the building, loaded the bricks into the barrel and pushed it over the side. I then went down, back down to the ground and untied the rope, holding it securely to ensure the slow descent of the barrel. As you will note in block number six of the insurance form, I weigh 145 pounds. At the shock of being jerked off the ground so swiftly by the 500 pounds of bricks in the barrel, I lost my presence of mind and forgot to let go of the rope. Between the second and third floors, I met the barrel. 
This accounts for the bruises and lacerations on my upper body. Fortunately, I retained enough presence of mind to maintain my tight hold on the rope and proceeded rapidly up the side of the building, not stopping until my right hand was jammed in the pulley. This accounts for my broken thumb, see block number four. Despite the pain, I continued to hold tightly to the rope. Unfortunately, at approximately the same time, the barrel hit the ground and the bottom fell out of the barrel. Devoid of the weight of bricks, the barrel now weighed about 50 pounds. I refer again to block number six where my weight is listed. I began a rapid descent. In the vicinity of the second floor, I met the barrel coming up. This explains the injury to my legs and lower body. Slowed only slightly, I continued my descent, landing on the pile of bricks. And fortunately, my back was only sprained. I'm sorry to report, however, that at this point I again lost my presence of mind and I let go of the rope. I trust this answers your concerns. Please note that I am finished trying to do the job alone. Maybe you are too. Maybe you've come beat up today. You're overwhelmed, you're tired, you're exhausted. You've been trying to cover over all of that brokenness in your life. And you know what our God says today? Why? Why continue the charade? Why continue to try and think we got to figure it out on our own? When our God comes among us today and invites us to be open about our brokenness, to confess it, and with it to confess a need. You know, there's a great verse that goes beyond this that, that David also writes when it comes to of revealing our brokenness before the Lord. Psalm 34, David writes, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Now, could it be that authentic brokenness of heart could actually be a good thing? And rather than running from brokenness, could it be God invites us to turn toward it? To realize there's holy ground in that place of brokenness, admitting our need and, and our inability to handle it on our own. And a God who intervenes into our world. And while all the king's horses, all the king's men couldn't have put Humpty back together again, did Humpty ever think maybe he should have called on the king? Because the king can do something about it. And our king comes among us as one who comes to become that brokenness in our place. You know, one of those beautiful moments in the ministry of Jesus, he's sitting in, in a Pharisee's house, and, and this is in the town of Bethany, and he's having this conversation, and this woman walks in, and the scripture says that in that moment, she started with tears in her eyes, she broke open an alabaster jar of perfume, and, he, and she started to, to, to rub it on his feet, and then with her hair, she started to wipe it up and the smell permeated the room. Those that were there that day who, who looked in the situation, looked at Jesus and say, say, if he really was the Son of God, if he really is Messiah, he would realize the filth, the sin of the woman who was touching him. And yet that's exactly why Jesus has come. For the broken in spirit, the broken in heart, those who realize they are truly at the end of their rope of despair. And there is nowhere else to go. It's a God who comes among his people. And as Jesus did that day, as he turned to that woman and said, your sins are forgiven. He provides the same answer for us today too. 
as he becomes the broken for us, the one who is, who is obedient even to death, death on a cross, the one who's willing to become broken for us. In my office, there's this great cross. I want to show it to you. You've maybe seen it. It was given to me as a gift many years ago from a congregation I serve. And I love the reminder of what makes this cross so special. It's made up of broken pieces of pottery, broken pieces of tile. And with that brokenness, God brings together a story of his love. He takes on that brokenness of you and me, and he takes it to a cross. He dies in our place. And, and you know, we, we talk about restoration. We talk about renewal. We talk about truly becoming the people of God who are reset in our minds and our hearts and our attitudes. You know, what God does is he takes that brokenness of our lives. And a lot of people think he just erases it, and, and we never really talk about it anymore. No, actually, I think that's wrong understanding. Jesus takes that brokenness to the cross, but that becomes part of our story of a God who redeems us, a God who in our brokenness met us there, and we weren't alone. And God handles that brokenness to make us complete, to make us that answer and that message of love and life into the world, to be broken people, but broken people who have a message to proclaim of hope and promise. Humpty got it wrong. All the king's horses, all the king's men, yeah, they couldn't put them together again. But you spend time with the king, and suddenly God answers. Let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you that you invite us to no longer try to do that piecing together of our lives on our own again. You welcome us home today to admit our brokenness before you and to find that you're a God who takes on that brokenness a God who puts the pieces back together by being the one who brings restoration, the one who resets our minds, our hearts, and souls, and a God who's come to redeem. We praise you for that renewal among us today. As Savior and as Lord, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.